going on, everybody? And welcome back to another episode of Rapping with Reef Bum. Happy New Year. I'm your host, Keith Berkelhammer. Well, today on the live stream, I welcome Aaron Dust from Aquaforest to the show. What's happening there, Aaron? Hey, thanks for having me. Happy New Year to everyone. It's great to be here. Thank you for so much for the invite. Yeah, yeah. It's like to have you on, man. Um, so let me uh, just give the down low on, on Aaron. Aaron brings a rather unique perspective into the hobby profession with a background in marine biology and almost two decades of international marketing strategy experience. He's found a way to tie his passion for reef keeping to his marketing expertise to help a new generation of Aquarius discover what Aquaforest has to offer. He spent the last few years helping to elevate the position of Aquaforest in the U.S. market and recently helped broker the partnership between Aperture, which is the parent company of Bulk Reef Supply, and Aquaforest for U.S. distribution of Aquaforest Marine and freshwater products. He is currently the EVP of U.S. Marketing Strategy for Aquaforest and a consultant at Ozotech Inc. But before we start chatting with Aaron, I want to thank the sponsors for the show, Bulk Reef Supply and Ecotech Marine. I really appreciate these companies supporting the show. And I also appreciate all you folks out there tuning in. Seems like there's a number of you that uh, are joining us right now. Spread the word, hit that like button so uh, more people can find the live stream. We've got over 40 people watching right now, only seven likes. We gotta, we gotta bump that number up there, right, Aaron? Smash that like button, that's right. Smash the like button. Um, all right, so, you know, I, uh, I, I, we, we talked, uh, I just uh, briefly uh, mentioned your background at the beginning and, and, and the, uh, the tie that, you know, your ties to uh, Aquaforest, but I think the way I want to handle this, um, this, uh, conversation is let's just talk about kind of like your natural progression in terms of uh, a reef keeper you know talk about your current tank your methods you know how you like to keep the tank and i think it's just going to uh, organically morph into you know what you're using in terms of products and and uh, and equipment and we can kind of dive deeper i know there's a lot of folks out there that um, are uh, aquaforest product users so i'm sure you're going to have a lot of questions for you there uh, aaron yeah. about that stuff so we can uh, we can kind of uh, you know play it that way. Uh, just I, I don't know, man. Just give us a little background in terms of your um, your journey and as a reef keeper and, and how you've uh, kind of you know come to your current uh, state in terms of as a hobbyist and as a professional in the uh, reef keeping yeah, business. I, I think like for so many of us, you know, we got into the hobby either young through freshwater or through seeing you know an ocean somewhere and caught the bug. Um, my bug happened with that, but it's slightly different. So my father has been keeping reef tanks my whole life. And so my first aquarium was sitting in front of my dad's aquarium and really just seeing, um, you know, the brown tanks of the past, you know, uh, of, the, of the early 80s and what that had to, uh, had to entail. Uh, it was my TV. And, you know, one of my most vivid memories was uh, going to preschool and show and tell. And my dad would bring in his Fijian blue starfish to show and tell in this bucket. <laughs> and everyone had the chance to touch it. And, you know, it was like, you know, the little touch tank. And uh, for me, you know, that was, I'd say, like the bug that bit me. And I, I wouldn't know it at the time. But that was the thing that both brought me closer to my dad and has all these years in our reef tanks but also to the hobby to understand how a marine environment works and how it's so unique and different than any other environment. So growing up, you know, always had different aquariums, freshwater, saltwater uh, in the house. You know, at, at one point uh, I, 
in high school, I was working at a pet shop and I was splitting my time between the, um, the reptile section where I used to breed poison arrow frogs mm. and tree frogs and all that kind of stuff. Um, but then also in the aquatic side. And so understanding how different environments coexist was interesting to me. So I spent my time in high school learning and doing that. And when I had the chance to go to university in Hawaii, literally my backyard was the ocean. And so um, I kept a, a 75 gallon aquarium on my patio on the lanai. Wow. And everything that I collected would come from the ocean, put in the tank, and I put it all back. I'd rotate it every couple of months. And I never lost a single fish in that. But what it taught me, which is just how interesting our ecologies are, and even now today, how much different the environment is that we try to keep a sterile reef tank. And, and I think we'll come back to that in, in a little bit in some learnings I've had recently. But the ocean is a lot dirtier than we, we imagine it to be. We talk about marine snow, right? But I spent every day um, outriggering in the water, being in the water and just seeing all the particulates and just how much the, the, the reef and the fish were thriving in Hawaii. Uh, just as an example, the Alawai Canal, which separates the Honolulu uh, Waikiki area from like the rest of the, the island uh, of, um, of Oahu, you see Moorish idols swimming in, in almost fresh water mm. uh, with yellow tangs and such. And what, what was the interesting learning was just they were there because of the diet, the LGs that were there, they were going in and eating because they grew in much more abundant in that brackish water than they did in the open ocean water where there's so many more uh, species of tangs like chomping away which I later use that information in keeping my own tanks. But being able to catch more idols and yellow tanks and keep them in a tank, I observed them and spent all this intimate time just seeing how they thrived to be able to now today keep some of those more difficult species and share that information with others. So when was like your first like real reef tank that you kept and, and were uh, maintaining? Uh, university was my first uh, solo standalone outside of my parents' care type of aquarium. Uh, up until then, I'd, I'd be helping my dad with his uh, various aquariums. But uh, yeah, university was my, my first time being able to keep uh, uh, tanks. And then since then, you know, I've always had aquariums of various sizes from like little Pico nano tanks uh, all the way through now to my Aquaforest Ocean Guard 268 gallons. Yeah, sounds like you've gone big. And I wish I could go bigger. I, I, it's funny, you know, like looking at your two tanks, it's like big is nice, you know, and now I come for a greater appreciation for deeper tanks. You know, I think we all love looking at our tanks in that side profile and really just enjoying the depth. Uh, I admire folks who have the width and space to do that because, uh, you know, I, I think a, a three by three by, you know, 30 inch cube would be an awesome tank to have. So, um, yeah, I want to get into the uh, to the equipment and stuff like that. But you you put together a few videos for me of the uh, display tank and the equipment. Let me um, while we're kind of talking about your display tank, let me show the uh, display tank you just talked about. Um, so which which model is it again? So I have the Aquaforest Ocean Guard 980. So it's basically six by two uh, by two. It's at, at 980 liters, 256 gallons, uh, all in system. Uh, it's uh, the newest of the lines by Aquaforest. They came out uh, about 18 months ago or so, um, and it, 
it came out more around the world and then has migrated into the U.S. a little bit later than that. And now uh, with our partnership with BRS is continuing to to grow in popularity and in interest. Um, you know, one of the reasons that's contributing to that is just the way that it, it's built, like the stand comes pre-assembled and there's a certificate behind it of just to the weight tolerance that it would have. And, you know, by European and global standards, it's one of the only aquariums in the market that has a pre-built stand uh, and its ability to uh, to hold the, not only the weight of a, the aquarium, but so much more. And in fact, for my tank, it took four of us just to be able to, to get it in place. And it was an eight people job to be able to get the tank uh, off the floor, you know, and onto the stand. So uh, again, it, it's built with uh, 19 mil, so three quarter inch. Uh, pink and tin glass, which is like an OptiClear, super, super, ultra clear glass uh, that weighs a ton. Three quarter inch glass. That's pretty uh, heavy duty. All around. Yeah, it's uh, it, it's built like a beast. Yeah. Um, so that's similar to like Starfire uh, glass, <laughs> low iron glass. It's a low iron ga glass. Uh, it, it's actually a higher uh, transmissancy and resistance than Starfire. But uh, the the company Pinkenton is the is the organization who makes and manufactures the glass for Aquaforest, and all of the Aquaforest aquariums are built on site in Poland, uh, as well as all the stands, and they come uh, in in a crate that's stacked on top of each other. So the the tank, depending on, on the size, but the tank and stand are built into one another, uh, allowing you to get it uh, basically couple of people there, the larger, more people, uh, flip the thing over and then you can stack it on top of each other. So uh, talk to me about, is there any customizability or is it pretty much like there's different uh, models of tanks and stands that you can purchase <clears throat> kind of like cookie cutter types of stuff with diff different options or is it, uh, do you have like the option for uh, external overflow? I, I didn't, I couldn't tell if that was an external overflow or not, or do you have an option for Euro bracing? That sort of thing. Yeah, right now the the current model, and and I hate to use the word cookie cutter because it's I would say it's not a cookie, but there is defined sizes uh, for the for the aquarium. So that you know, there's five different sizes and colors that you can choose from. And what's unique about the colors is the removable panels. So mm -hmm. it's the only stand in the market that allows you to take off the doors and the side panels and have them interchangeable. So if your decor changes in the house, you can swap them yeah, out. Cool. So. So I have uh, white and gray on mine. So, you know, I'm able to have a, a bit of splash of color and diversity on that as opposed to just straight black, white, or gray. So it's it's pretty unique in that regard. Currently, the overflow is inside of the aquarium. And you maybe, you know, watching the video, you guys can see that. Uh, we are exploring options to have an uh, external overflow uh, as well as options for Eurobracing and, and peninsulas. But uh, because of the, the certification that the stand has, uh, any any changes done to the aquarium mean that the certi certification needs to be redone and the B31 needs to be reapproved. So uh, it's a little bit of a, of a lengthy process on that, but um, gotcha. you know, that's what it currently is. Uh, Reefkeeper comments, the plumbing on the Ocean Guard is so nice. Took me about 10 minutes to plumb it. Very heavy-duty PVC. So just so we, uh, we're in the loop, what kind of, um, is it like all Schedule 80 um, plumbing? And it, Yeah, yeah. Thank you for that, uh, Phil. It's all Schedule 80 plumbing, uh, and it's it's oversized for the system. And so one of the things that we took into account uh, being Ocean Guard and the concept behind Ocean Guard is that as a company to do everything possible to have it a safe, uh, secure system in your home, right? Because there's a lot of water weight in there. So anything that could be done to make sure that it was uh, resistant to things. So plumbing is one of the things and it, you know, you think about the overflow size of the holes. <laughs> 
So um, the decision was made to have larger overflow openings so that we can control, I call it the snail crusher, but it's the, the <laughs> valve, the control valve for it, uh, to get ultra precision flow. And um, by having a larger diameter hole within the glass, it's a lot quieter. So you get much better turnaround time. And there's a, uh, and if Phil would have seen this as well, a, a buoy that floats up and down inside of the overflow box as a silencer. So you can really dial that in for folks who want an ultra quiet tank uh, with a silencer that moves up and down and mm. the precision overflow and emergency to, to basically have that thing just hum silently. So using Schedule 80, it's thicker, larger hole diameters between the main drain and the overflows, both the emergency and the two flows going up, uh, make it for a much quieter system. So the way it uh, works is uh, if you wanted to pick up one of these tanks, you just order through BRS and it um, gets shipped from, from Poland or does BRS actually have some in their warehouse? BRS gets them in stock. So uh, we're sending them uh, on an almost monthly basis, but they get a couple of containers at a time. So yeah, you can go onto BRS's website and you know choose the, they have it set by, by color. So you can choose by tank size and color uh, and go through that process and you know regularly being sent over to them. Um, that's really cool, man, because um, I've, I've, all my tanks are custom built tanks. Yeah. And, and that's because I like, you know, external overflow boxes. I like the Euro bracing and I haven't found any, um, you know, pre-built tanks with those sorts of uh, options. So that would be kind of cool if you guys can kind of crack that nut and uh, be able to offer that sort of thing. And I also, you mentioned, um, you know, width or depth, whatever you want to call it, of a tank. Yeah. And I love, I love, you know, um, wide tanks, you know, so my 187 gallon tank. You know, that's um, five foot long, but it's 30 inches wide and 24 inches tall. Yeah. And my Peninsula tank is six foot long by 36 inches wide and 20 inches tall. It's such a cool, you know, dimension. So I think, uh, yeah, the more um, the more you have in terms of that, um, you know, that option with the wider tanks, I think the better. It, it definitely helps. You know, one of the, the funny things on wider tanks, and I'm sure you experienced that, is getting through doorways. Yep. Right? You know, there's a, a standard doorway <laughs> width that. Uh, that's I, I why I got. That's why I got twenty. That's why I got twenty inch tall tank because turn it on the side. So you can turn it yeah. around exactly. Yeah. 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 So, you know, although, although those are factored into that and, you know, one of the things that we, we're always trying to do is just get feedback. Like, you know, I've, as Phil setting the, up this tank, you know, getting feedback from him and everyone else who's set up an ocean guard, you know, the company wants to learn from users. You know, we are all reefers ourselves. Uh, you know, Sever has also been in the hobby for 25 years uh, and, and has a lot of tremendous knowledge. And so we just believe the importance of getting user feedback and, you know, uh, the growing momentum for Euro bracing over rimless is something that is starting to come back as people are rethinking, um, you know, wave patterns and movement in the tank. So, you know, it's just natural being able to manufacture them, you know, in-house. And, and I, sh I should have sent you uh, the video, but, you know, we, we have a massive uh, warehouse that was built, you know, so we could accommodate making, you know, the world's demand of these aquariums, which is pretty cool to be able to do it in-house. Yeah, Reefkeeper says the starter package is unreal, comes with just about everything you need to get started, and then some very nice touch rock, sand, bacteria, test kit. So really, there's rock and sand and bacteria that's included in the starter kit. <laughs> Yeah, so the starter pack, uh, you know, as you read, has everything that a reefer would need. And, you know, as a brand, you know, we're trying to be something for everyone. So if you're first time hobbyist or, you know, wanting the tank, your first tank, you may not know what you need. So we try to take out some of that guesswork in that starter pack. And if you've been in the hobby long enough, you may use some of that stuff and that's great. But we really just wanted to give everyone that head start to, to move forward. And 
one of the things that uh, that Phil will will soon to appreciate is that the live rock itself uh, is actually made by composite of uh, life biofill, and that is a live media source that has bacteria already on it. We use the same media to make the rock, and basically we're able to compress it together to make these man-made shapes, these arches, these plateaus. And we're working on a, a, a finger rock system. Uh, and he'll find that the both bacteria population uh, and that um, film area will will happen really quickly, and coralline will just encrust on it uh, far faster than using a dry rock. So the the bacteria will become active once water hits the uh, bacteria. Is that how it works? <laughs> so on the rock itself, there's no bacteria on that. Um, this the same product that the rock is made from. This life biofill. Oh, okay. This guy here uh, is all of that. Uh, it's like a pumice type material. Uh, and basically it's soaked inside of uh, bacteria uh, vats for, from, for three months or longer, allowing the bacteria to grow on there. So you can not do an instant tank, right. but it will significantly help to both cycle and create biodiversity. Very cool. Very cool. Yeah. I mean, um, I've, um, I've done both. I've had a lot better experiences starting tanks with the uh, live rock versus, uh, versus dry rock. Now, do you, do you, uh, sure. recommend, you know, adding additional, uh, nitrifying bacteria to a, uh, to a brand new tank or. Yeah. So like when I had mine, I, I had a, a previous tank that I put, uh, bacteria in, in different media in bags in the sump and such. And when I was initially setting up the tank, I took the media reactors that we can show the video of the sump yeah. and I actually put them right inside of the aquarium. I, I, I took a power head and I fed it directly into the, uh, the aquarium and figured all of the bacteria that that rock had um, by just letting it blow through and then I increased the flow rate uh, would faster uh, populate or you know, cross pollinate all the other rock in the aquarium. It didn't look pretty for a while, but it definitely did the job in terms of being able to seed the rock with existing bacteria. So in terms of the uh, the sump that I'm looking at there, because I'm showing your um, your equipment uh, yep. video, is that an aquaphor sump? So it's also an aquaphor sump. So that comes uh, as part of the kit there where you can you get the, the tank, the stand and the sump uh, all in one uh, system there. So you can see as you're panning through there. Uh, you know, the Aquaforce logo and branding on that as well. And uh, I, I covered up the the ATO box, which is a, a massive ATO box, just to keep some of the residual light so LG didn't form uh, in there. But uh, yeah, 100% acrylic uh, sump as well. Right, and it looks very clean, you know. It um, it, it looks like a very, uh, it, it almost looked like it was PVC to me, but it, it's actually an acrylic um, sump, or is it PVC? Uh, sorry, it, it, is, it, PVC. Is, it is PVC, yeah, PVC yeah, and acrylic. So yeah, PVC yeah. kind of like uh, in terms of the frame and then acrylic uh, panels. Correct, exactly. Very nice, very nice. So um, let's talk about your uh, your lights because there's there's some very interesting things <laughs> going on with your lights. You know, one, I've got this, the, the Giesemann uh, Spectra fixture. I've got... Two 24-inch Giesemann Spectra fixtures over my um, my tank, and I'm running halides and T5s in those mm -hmm. uh, in those fixtures. So uh, you got you got something else going on there. <laughs> so I, I went with it with a I guess you could say a ultimate hybrid, and I know you and I have talked about this uh, in time past. Um, I, I had uh, LEDs before, and they were fantastic lights. I, I really liked them. But I missed the growth uh, that that halides gave me, and so uh, I reached out to Giesemann uh, in Germany and had them custom make this light oh, for really? me. Oh, really? How long ago yeah, was this? Yeah, and you know, um, 
a year yeah, and a half not ago. Selling those fixtures anymore in the U.S. From what I recall, <laughs> Correct. right? Yeah, it, it's uh, you know they're all custom made, uh, made to order, um, and so you know I was able to talk to uh, to Oliver, their uh, their um, marketing guy, and he was awesome about it. And you know to be able to have that custom built for me was was super cool uh, because what I, what I didn't want, and and I'm pretty OCD as you could tell about some of the matching of some of my equipment. Uh, I didn't want a light that was shorter than the tank. Right. So, uh, and it's, it's 1800. So that's just under 70, it's like 71 inches. And so I wanted to have a light that was also 1800 and a lot of the other ones didn't come in that size and I wanted the color to match. So, um, my OCD propelled me to, to get something custom done. And so when they were able to do a polar white option in that and the variable uh, lights, so I, I have both options for a 250 and 400 nice. um, within the, the ballast or within the, the light uh, unit itself and, and ballast, uh, I, I jumped on that. So uh, then I was like, well, I, I, I missed also the LED pop. And so I'm like, well, what am I going to do? And they, they sold the, another a strip light. And so when I initially set up the tank, I put their, uh, their strip light on it. And it was nice, you know, as a, as a kind of um, supplemental, but not as a, a punch mm -hmm. light. And so I took that off and I was like, oh, what am I going to do? So at that point, it was halides and T5. And it was okay. I wasn't hey, that's not a bad combo, though. You know, Halo, you can't go wrong with A-Lights and T-Fives. But you know what? It's all about your personal uh, choice and what you like. So that's what's cool about this hobby. Well, yeah, and, and there's no right or wrong. And um, one, of, one of my pet peeves was capturing pictures with my phone of the tank. And uh, I don't want to say that using my smartphone was the driver to get halides, <laughs> but it certainly influenced it. Um, because now I can just take my iPhone and when the halides are on, just capture that video like you saw, and that's 14K, um, uh, the Giesman halides on there, and it looks nice. It's no editing, you can tell, no color editing on that picture at all. Um, by comparison, I think I also sent you with the uh, the other uh, supplemental light that I added yeah, we're gonna, was the G6. Uh, so I'm showing yeah. that right now. We got basically, I think the halides are on without the... Um, the uh, the radions and now we've just turned to the blue, so I'm uh, that's, that's yeah. What are you so, running with? The, yeah. So what I what I wanted then was to have the best uh, of all worlds. And so um, the punch of daylight growth with the halides, but then the the you know the the beauty of, of looking at the tank and some of the um, bioluminescence phosphorus and that were happening as well. So I added two XR30s on top between the the metal halides so there's a mesh there that uh, for ventilation so that's when i added the two xr30s and then two xr15s on the side being able to penetrate on the sides into my uh, my hammer torch euphilia garden down below um, and that to me is i think a really nice combination so my my photo schedule is i have four and a half hours of halide i have one hour just t5 and then i have four hours uh, of the the T5 and the metal sorry T5 and the G6s running the WWC uh, um, pa uh, yep. schedule. So I go uh, a nice crisp white to an ultra blue white uh, light for the other half of the uh, day. You know, a look for everybody, right? Um, Ghouls is wondering what halide bulb you're using. So these are the Giesman. I think they're called the blues. They may be called the corals, but they're the 14.5 Kelvin. Uh, yeah, you know. Gotcha. Yeah. I, um, 
So I did a modification of Mike, Mike Giesman uh, Spectres. You know, I, um, I basically, what I, I, you know, they, they, I had them wired to originally, and I think they came this way, to a, um, I had sun, a dual HQI sunlight supply ballasts, which were mm -hmm. um, pretty much the same type of ballasts as the old PFO um, HQI because yep, yep. I like to run 400 watt 20k uh, radium bulbs and that PFO ballast was a great ballast for uh, overdriving that bulb to kind of produce a real crisp uh, white look and um, so I was running those uh, those sunlight supply ballasts and overdriving the bulbs but um, I had issues I you know after a few weeks those um, those those ballasts would crap out I don't know if it was the ballast or the bulb I, I, I was reading something um, someplace about uh, the fact that the newer radium bulbs can't handle being overdriven like the older bulbs. Is that something you... Uh... I, I read the same. And in, in fact, I, I first started overdriving and I lost a lot of performance. So I actually stopped running overdriving the bulbs. And I'm sorry for those of you who have never used the halides and don't know this, but... That was like, um, that we'll, was we'll like gold on. to have like the PFO <laughs> ma magnetic ballast and overdriving yeah. bulbs. That was like, that was a thing to do. Yeah, but... But now I, I find in this, it, it's actually, it's not effective to overdrive, you know, putting it on either that straight 250 or the 400, because I, I, I was playing around with both sets of bulbs. Um, I actually got a better, brighter light out of it. So um, I, I did not overdrive in it. And now I'm not overdriving the ballast. Um, have you measured par under those lights? Oh yeah, I I the, the I get stupid power like the 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 power at the the bottom of my sand is like four hundred. Is that so, with the and uh, radions and as well as the uh, halides going and T fives? So yeah, so um with well they're they're I matched the the power level so the halides and the the radions um ha, they're the same intensity so regardless of what light system is on they're, they're both producing the same. So 385 is, is the basic baseline of the sand in the mm. middle. It, it tapers off a little bit uh, and at the top of the rounded. So uh, wow. basically be between 380 and 700 uh, is where I can get corals. Uh, and then it's just a matter of placing them um, to where they're happy. And I, I, I'd be remiss to say it hasn't caused some challenges. And um, you, know, you and I were talking about this briefly is nutrients. One of the things I forgot, uh, having run halides before, is just how much different it actually has an, an impact on the system, and specifically on pH. My pH is naturally higher because of the halides. And then two is just how much extra power is in there, which how much faster the corals are absorbing nutrients. So I'm dosing nitrates and phosphates and amino acids like more than I would ever imagine. And I, I go through it a 2.2 DKH swing. That's my daily consumption. Wow. And so, uh, and, and again, the tank is new. You guys could see it in that picture. Like these are not massive colonies right now, but between both systems of lighting, my nutrient uptake is pretty incredible. I'm showing the video again of the uh, display tank. It looks, uh, it looks awesome. Uh, Aaron, how, how old is the tank itself? The tank in its current form uh, is just under, it takes about 10 months. Uh, I had a, a battle of uranema and lost everything. And then I had a battle of um, a velvet and lost some very precious fish uh, as well. So um, as you can see, it's now a pretty much a coral tank uh, as opposed to a, a reef tank. Oh yeah, there's not I, a lot I, of fish. I don't see any fish in there. 
Yeah, so 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 that's been a, an experiment in there. So I have uh, three tangs. I have a purple tang, a, a yellow-eyed coal tang from Hawaii, and a um, a white uh, white a bristle-tail tang, a yep. six-line wrasse, a pair of clowns, and a, a chromis in there. So from a fish bioload perspective, it isn't much at all. But what I have in as an offset to that is the craziest polyp extension that you'd ever see. <laughs> Nothing is nipping at it. Nothing. It's like the, the corals are just doing their thing. And so um, I, I was on another live stream uh, and I was talking about like, what is a reef tank? How do we define a reef tank? Is it something that has fish and corals as a thriving piece of the ocean or is it something else? And so this was done as an experiment when I lost all my fish from velvet uh, and I had these guys in quarantine from my old system is what if I just put them in and how would the tank react differently? And what I've learned is this few fish in this size of tank does not produce enough waste to keep the bio load at, at check for the rate of coral growth. And so uh, I'm having to supplement with different food for the fish, uh, phosphates and nitrates, amino acids uh, on a daily basis just to keep stuff uh, detectable. So what, what you're basically saying is that the corals are really consuming a lot of the nitrates and the phosphates in the, uh, in the system. So you're doing a lot of dosing. So it seems like you've got a pretty good, pretty good, well-balanced uh, tank because, um, you know, one thing I noticed, you had the, uh, the Pax Bellum uh, arid algae mm -hmm. reactor. And the, um, the other thing I noticed is you don't have any um, problematic algae in the tank. Yeah, so uh, that that is for for a couple of things. I, I keep a high magnesium, so I keep my magnesium right between three eighty and four and uh, sorry thirteen eighty and fourteen hundred. So obviously that helps on that. But I also have um, six abalone in there, the tropical abalone uh, from Unicorals, and those guys will go around stuff. They're so delicate around the corals, uh, and they just chomp stuff down. But having uh, low phosphates, so I, that's my problem, uh, algae doesn't really grow. So the Pax Bellum, it doesn't turn on anymore because I have such low phosphates. Like I'm excited if I get a 0 0.02 reading, like normally it's like 0 0.01 and that's after 20, 25 ml of phosphates a day. Wow. Yeah. I'm, I'm dosing a lot of phosphates in, in one of my systems about, uh, I'm using a different product. I'm using the Brightwell's uh, Neophos and I'm dosing about 30 mLs of, of that in my um, my uh, peninsula tank. That's a bare bottom, you know, SPS dominant tank. Mm -hmm. And then um, in my other tank, which I just um, you know did a major redo on my uh, my halide lit tank, the 187 gallon tank. I had been dosing about the same amount of phosphates and a good amount of nitrates, but I've had some uh, algae issues with that tank. And um, you know, so it's it's a delicate balance, right? You got to like try to find yeah. that delicate balance in terms of when you're getting phosphate and nitrate readings that are close to near zero well you know if you got the, the problematic algae in the tank that stuff is sucking it up right so yep, what are you supposed yep. to do well and at the same time i'm also increasing my potassium levels as well and so finding that hairline balance between incrementally raising the potassium level um, as well as phosphates like if i if i'm not observant in the tank i know that's a recipe for disaster so you know my, my philosophy is i i i I love technology, I love gadgets, but I also love my eyes. And yeah. I, I, I spend time, you know, and I tell this to, to everyone, look at your tank, spend time with it, become intimate with your aquarium. The more you do that, you'll, your corals will tell you if something's no, not right. And so um, just being able to see what's my extension of different corals lets me know that 
I, I'm, I'm pushing things too fast and I need to like dial it back a little bit. And so, you know, that, that tug of war that I'm having right now is raising the, the potassium. And so for reference, my potassium is, is uh, 420 right now. I'm trying to get it up to around 450. And so I'm slowly increasing that um, while also, you know, getting that right balance of having some detectable phosphates in there. So, um, great bearded reef is asking a question, any experience of the abalone eating bryopsis? Uh. I wish, <laughs> uh, you know, they, they are pretty varied in their diets. Like I have noticed that they picked on things that I wouldn't have, have expected. Um, but, um, in my experience with these six that I have, I, I have not seen them to go after it, unfortunately. Uh, maybe if it's small and just little tufts of it, but, um, yeah. Perhaps this is a tough one. You know, that's, um, there's not a lot of, um, things that will eat it. Maybe you get lucky with a rabbit fish that would, um, eat Bryopsis, but, um, yeah. You know, I, I think I generally try to, I, I find like perhaps this is more of a, um, a, a larger issue in terms of just finding that right balance with nutrient control, you know, and I think, you know, when you see bryopsis, you're going to probably see other stuff popping up, bubble algae and, yep. and um, maybe some cyano. Yeah, you know, you know, I, I, one of the things that I like to think about is the tank as a system. And so, you know, when I, when I looked at how do we create a more balanced, uh, you know, ecology, uh, is being able to look at, uh, so I, I'm periodically running ozone. Um, I have a 80 watt uh, Pentair UV um, and I'm dosing the, uh, the Aquaforest life source. Uh, I, know I go through two bags a month uh, and I put it in a container and you may have saw it in the sump in the bottom left side uh, that's there. And I, I'm a firm believer in being able to create a, a robust biological uh, ecology or system in the aquarium knowing that things are dynamic. And I think that's something we forget is we, we look so much at the macro side of how are, how's our coral doing that I don't know if we often spend enough time thinking about, um, you know, at, at the microscopic level, what are we adding to it? And I'm not just talking about like, uh, you know, stuff in a bottle, but you know, how are we feeding our pods? How are we looking at the small stuff in our, in our system and know what that has in the order of magnitude to feed our fish, to feed our corals and such like that. And so, yeah, no, yeah, it's something I, I spent a lot of time, you know, geeking out over. What, so what, what are your thoughts in terms of, um, you know, bryopsis? A lot of folks uh, swear by fluconazole, you know, I've used fluconazole in the past and, um, it did get rid of the bryopsis, but it did come back, um, a few months later, maybe it hitchhiked in again on a frag plug or something. I don't know, but, um, what worries me about fluconazole is the collateral damage that it could have on other bacteria in that tank. And I'm not sure yeah. we fully understand that. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't have a powerful enough microscope to to do a longitudinal test on that. You know, I'd love it if somebody did or, um, you know, a lab or, you know, the folks at BRS could do a study on that. But um, I, I've had mixed success. Sometimes it's worked and other times it didn't. And the collateral damage has been a collapsing of, of my, my, you know, microflora and fauna. So um, I, I've, I've now got to the point if if the problem is is that big, you know, try to get the rock out, cut the coral off and start over. Uh, I, I know that sounds dramatic on that, but um, sometimes some of those more drastic measures are, are a much easier way in the long run to be able to, uh, you know, to think of the tank. And one, one of the things that, and I saw, you know, Phil setting up this rock and, and others, you know, that who are in the chat is having a modular rock system. 
And what I mean by that is the ability to just change out a single rock or a single structure if something's problematic on there, as opposed to having to change out the entire scape. And you know, that's kind of my, my push-pull about the negative aquascapes right now is it's all glued into one. It's hard to take a piece out if it's all glued into one if you got a problem. And so like when you saw MyScape, the right structure um, is, is a single unit. So that kind of, it forms up in a couple different shelves. But the big left one, that's actually six independent pieces. So if something happens on one of those structures or I want to change something, change my mind, I can easily lift up that big arch and everything underneath that is completely modular. And I did it on that one because of weight. I couldn't lift up a whole structure and put it in and so out. So yeah, the more mature the, the corals get, the harder it's going to be. But yeah, that's yeah. a great thing option to have. And, and this is something like... I, We've been in the hobby long enough. These are things that we've learned, right? And you know, part of the reason why I do these videos is to be able to to share that information with others. Is you know, don't necessarily plan the tank of what it's going to look like today, but work backwards from five years. Like when those corals are big and things are happening, like how are you going to get in there and maintain your aquascape and challenges? And you know, that's one of the reasons why I love how. Um, uh, Abe has uh, all of his corals yeah. on those plugs. Like yeah. it's it's unbelievable, and it's such an ingenious. I've tried it. It's work. It's not really worked for me. But Same with me. I've I, tried. I applaud, I've tried it too, and it hasn't really it didn't yeah. really work. But but I I applaud his methods for that, and, and I think that there's a lot of foresight, and you can see that you know his experience come through in using that method. Yeah. No. That's that's. Um... I, yeah, I, I, I tried to do the same thing with when I rebooted my 187-gallon tank. And, and um, <clears throat> my mistake was not drilling big enough holes. I should have just mm. drilled big enough holes to have um, the butt of brag plug stick in it. That would have been yeah. easier for me um, <clears throat> to do that. So I, I don't know if you guys noticed uh, when you saw that. So you didn't see a lot of stuff glued in. And the reason being is because I'm actually moving in two months. And knowing that that Oh, was no, you're moving that tank in two months? Oh, yeah. That sucks. So, but but I knew that. <laughs> but I knew that that was happening. So the decisions I made in the rock and the placement was intentional, so that things are are modular. So um, if you noticed a lot of those coral plugs, I actually built using Aquaforest uh, the stone fix. That's the that's the uh, the concrete mix, and I made these all these little frag plugs, and I put the, the the corals in that and let them grow out of that. So when I move and reset up the tank then I can just glue it to where I want, but it gives me this ability to put stuff around the tank now uh, in practice, if you will, uh, until after I move and reset it up. So do you have like this whole move planned out, man? I'm, I'm not, uh, I'm not, uh, I'm not, um, you know, I would not be digging that situation if it was me because I've had mixed results trying to move a, a mature reef tank. It was early on in my reef keeping career, but that's a tough thing to do, man. Yeah, I mean that's the part of the reason why there's only so few fish in there right that now, makes sense. right? Because I I do have a couple forty breeders that I plan on using, uh, and a couple troughs that I'm gonna put some of the stuff in. But uh, it's inevitable I'm gonna lose something. I, I know that. Uh, I'm gonna try as much as possible to take out the rock and coral, set it up in parallel, then move the tank over, uh, you know, in a day with with some with some help. Um, but yeah, it's it's going to be a pain. Um, I contemplated just getting another tank uh, and then just transferring it to the other one and just selling this one. I, I honestly thought about Have that. Have you thought about kind of trying to um, rehome the corals and whatnot with the with somebody else, and then kind of like get the whole tank re uh, set up and regrouped, <laughs> and then kind of like 
call back on the uh, make a call back on the corals. It, it's possible. I mean, I I have the ability in, in the new house to to set it all up there. So oh, gotcha. Um, so oh, you're gonna be yes. you're gonna be in the new house in parallel with being at the old house. Oh, okay. It, exactly. Good. Okay. So so I so I, I have a, bad, a, some overlap in on that. Um, but yeah, you know the the design of then the aquascaping of the corals. Um, I, I did knowing that I'd be moving. And so that's why stuff doesn't look as permanent as, as an established tank and things kind of look a little out of place in some places, but that, that's why. Um, so I want to get to back to a question that Ghoul's asked, uh, how are you testing ICP? Are you doing, um, <clears throat> yeah, so I, I'm regularly ICP testing. I send it uh, to Poland, uh, and using the, uh, the aquaforest lab there to test. Uh, I also do some other testing here. Um, you know, ICP test and I have the Trident in place and I have a whole slew of test kits uh, that I use as well. And so um, I, I'm, I'm, again, pretty methodical. I, I have my Trident testing eight times a day oh, wow. uh, and it's things. Um, and, and I, you know, I, I'm testing every day manually uh, the nitrates and phosphate. Well, phosphates, I'm checking four times a day. Really? You're that religious to... about the phosphates, huh? Well, because I'm trying to get them up. Yeah. What, what, are, you <laughs> right? using? what and, are you using for a test kit in phosphate? Uh, so I'm using the Aquaforest test kit on that, and I'm cross-referencing against the HANA, uh, the both the PPM and the PPB. Uh, and so I, I'm using them to kind of triangulate between them. And how does uh, how do those values compare to like when you do ICP tests, um, you know, through uh, Aquaforest? Is that, how, how far off is the ICP or how far off are, are the, uh, I guess you would call them hobby grade test kits in terms of what you're using? Yeah, hobby grade, yes. So what I, what I try to do is collect the same water at the same time. Yeah. So I will... Um, collect the water, like the same sample, uh, and I will test it with my hobby kits. I'll write down those variables and the time, and I'll make a note in, in my logbook that I'm sending out with this water. And then I, when I get the results back, and I get them back within 10 days. So it's, it's pretty quick because um, the most time is, is the transport. Right. Getting the tested is, is like a day. Um, but the transport is what usually takes a little bit longer these days. These days. Uh, and then I will go back and see, and there, there's often, you know, a discrepancy in that and, you know, user error, a, a bubble, you know, in, in your home hobbyist test kits or, you know, is the covet clean or, you know, is the glass tube, you know, scratchers free. All of those things have, have a little, um, you know, indications of variance. I'm just looking at the trends, you know, and, and I kind of just plot that against and see overall with that sample of water, like, what do I need to, to change? And, um, of late, you know, I've been using some of the Component Pro uh, just as a baseline, which is, um, you know, a, a three-part alkalinity, calcium, and magnesium with the, the nutrients and, and trace elements in that. And then adding on top of that, the, the lab line where I'm seeing deficiencies in certain things. So whether that be strontium, uh, potassium, iron, um, cobalt, and manganese, like those other things where I, I, I want to specifically get a coral color punch or that I'm seeing that absorption is just not where uh, I, uh, absorption is too fast. I need to supplement it with other things. Um, so for those of us not as familiar with the Aquaforest, the ICP, can you um, just kind of give us the lowdown in terms of how um, that might be different than other ICP tests out there? Honestly, it, it, it's no different. And, and the beauty behind it is if anyone has used the Aquaforest salt, uh, every batch of salt uh, has the uh, uh, the web address. You can go in, you can see every batch that's tested. So it'll go through all of the, you know, the major and minor trace elements, 
as well as you know your your calcium alkalinity and all that. So um, for for anyone who's used an ICP, it'll look really you know almost the exact same. You know, it's a it's on a website and stuff. So uh, if you've used the Trident method or you know any of the others uh, APIs, it, it it's the, the same uh, in terms of you know what you're really looking at. How um, how much do you have to dose traces in terms of if you're using the Aquaphor salt, you're doing the Aquaphor ICP testing. What's the uh, what's your kind of routine every month? You know, in terms of traces yeah. and and um, you know making sure that they're where they need to be. So uh, I, I was um, working with the, the new product, which is that the um, the reef salt plus and the hybrid salt um, until I had my my phosphate and nitrate issues, and then I went back to just the the reef salt, and so um, that is without the probiotics, which is to help c consume some of the nitrates and phosphates. So um, that is my baseline salt. Um, I'm I'm adding other components pro. Uh, I'm up to 346 uh, ml a day of those. So it basically is a three part. And so that's what I'm adding as a three part. Um, and you know, if I need to, I'll adjust my uh, alkalinity and calcium because it, it does vary slightly depending on how fast I'm getting coral growth, where before I want to change my three part, I will substitute in some of those other, uh, other additives as well. So 346 mls um, all together with the three part or each part? Each part. Oh, wow. And, and I, I have calc on there as well. So when I said that I'm going through 2.2 DKH points a day, um, I go through uh, five liters of the Components Pro every, every 14 and a half days. Mm. And so um, you know, we talk about monthly testing and like this, I'm, I'm doing it on a daily and weekly um, you know, in my logbook, keeping track of this stuff um, in part so I make sure that I have enough inventory on hand. Um, but also because I'm tracking it against the growth and absorption of my corals. Um, I'm just looking at some of the uh, questions here in the uh, in the in the chat, and um, I wanted to ask you a follow up question. So, all right, Cockwasser, you mentioned Cockwasser. Yep. Um, I'll get back to the uh, chat uh, here in a second. But Cockwasser, what are you doing in terms of Cockwasser? You got a cock uh, stir? <clears throat> yeah. So I have the uh, Avast uh, K1 uh, connect connected to a Aversa single head doser on that. Uh, and I, I'm, I'm dosing through that um, almost seven liters a day through that, which is, which is my evaporation point. And so uh, that's what I'm using as a baseline. Uh, and then the, the three-part on top of that, because I was just going through so much three-part, I needed to offset it a little bit cheaper. And so adding the calc on that helped. Uh, I will be adding back online a calcium reactor um, as well. So hopefully that, that'll help as well. Uh, and in terms of what I was using, so in some of my earlier videos, I, I talked about uh, adding um, pure marble as my media source. So I didn't use coral frags. I was using pure marble mm. and substituting that with, man with um, just trace elements and magnesium in, in my degassing chamber. And I was able to get super stable results on that um, with running a little bit lower of an internal pH of 6.3 to 6.4 yeah. versus the coral frags where uh, you can, you know, 6.5, 6.6. 6. But I was able to buffer my effluent enough to get it where I wasn't getting that much of a pH, uh, you know, shift in the tank. What What is your uh, pH range at this point? Um, my nighttime pH is 8.3. My daytime goes up to uh, 8.6, 8.7. My, my peak uh, time of day uh, is roughly 8.30 p.m., um, at the at the height of the photo period, my lights turn off at, at 9:45, uh, 
uh, and lately that's been a, a right around 8.7. That's a uh, that is a very high elevated uh, pH, but that also you know really kind of feeds into that coral growth. That and I keep my uh, my specific gravity uh, you know between 35 and 36, so 1.25, 1.26. So uh, again, not overly elevated, but you know on, on the slightly higher side, also contributing to that. Too. And you're also using a a CO2 scrubber. CO2 scrubber, and that, that's what you see on top of my DIY uh, takeaway lid uh, on the on the protein skimmer. So I, I take all the criticism on that. So uh, yeah, because I, I couldn't find a, a, a lid that would work uh, for the for the Delua skimmer. So I just uh, got a takeaway container, drilled a hole in it, duct taped it down, <laughs> uh, and that goes to the um, Atlas Duo from BR, that BRS sells, uh, and that thing's a beast. So all of those things in combination. Uh, plus the components pro have a buffering agent for pH uh, helps me to keep my pH up. So um, I don't have a problem with that, uh, uh, which I'm lucky for. Well, I guess if you go to a calcium reactor, then uh, that, that pH will, uh, will slip a little bit, but I'm sure yeah. that it's not going to go down. Um, you know, I mean, if you're eight, three to eight, six, then, you know, eight, one to eight, four or whatever, it might uh, drop down to that. That ain't too shabby. Yeah. I, I, I'm not too worried, too worried about that. You know, eventually I want to take off the, uh, the calc stirrer on that as well. But what I like about it is it keeps the ionic balance. So even if the three part goes slightly out for whatever reason of absorption, I know that six liters or seven liters of calc going into the system uh, is keeping an ionic stability. Rob upstate New York, white duct tape, priceless. <laughs> yeah. What do you get white duct tape? Uh, I got it at Lowe's. <laughs> Yep. Wow, I have to look into that, man. I got uh, so, I got a whole bunch of I got black gorilla tape, and you know it's like, yeah. Uh, if you can, I'll send you some. So you know, you know that's the funny thing I mentioned about you know my OCDness and how I try to color code everything. You know, it's it's that vein of my existence, that black lid on top of the skimmer, but uh, it works. And so until I can find uh, another uh, another option, that's that's what I go with. So. Um... I know in, in the information you passed along to me about your system that you had a kind of a list of some upcoming equipment additions and changes. We talked about the uh, the calcium reactor, but I also see on this list a, a geo-ozone reactor. Do yeah. You dabble so, with ozone? Uh, well, so, you know, uh, consulting with uh, with Ozotech on that, uh, you know, it's something that I've seen the, the benefits of running ozone. And anyone who's been in the hobby long enough. Um, has probably used it or aware of it. You know, the folks that are newer in the hobby, you know, maybe a little bit less, uh, but it gives ultra clear water. Like if you watch any of, of uh, Devin Reef Dude's videos, you'll see that ultra clear water that you get from it. Um, and that's a, a plus for me. But the other piece that I particularly like is it neutralizes the coral um, toxicity between corals. So you can more uh, tightly compact corals together without their chemical warfare attacking each other. And so that's the other reason why I particularly like using it on the system with the caveat is I got two young kids. So yeah. my, my wife uh, did not want me using ozone, even though, you know, it's this, the safety levels are in place for using it. She didn't yeah. want the risk factors. So, you know, I was running a secondary skimmer with carbon on top, carbon on the bottom, and it was fine. I made the decision to take it off until I could have a reactor in place that I knew would, uh, would remove some of that residual ozone. So, uh, yeah, I've been, been uh, talking with the, the folks over at Geo Reef. Geo's been awesome. Uh, and so I'm doing some partnerships with him to test out uh, just how effective his unit is at removing 
the residual ozone from the water as it goes through his two-part chamber. Uh, and, and so I'll, I'll be doing a video and talking about that soon. And uh, the, the early testing are really promising. So uh, I, I'm hopeful to be able to get that back on the, on the system because it's a night and day difference. Wow. Interesting. Do you, uh, do you also, um, run activated carbon and, um, UV on your system uh, as well? <clears throat> yes. So I do have a UV, the Pentair 80 watt unit going and that I have on 24 seven. Um, and, and I have it set to, to a, a, actually a really a slow flow rate. So it's not quite LG and it's not quite bacteria. It's like, it's in the middle of that. So I'm, I'm hoping to catch a bit of both. Um, but you know, as, as a system that it, it's a beast, it's like four and a half feet long. It, it, it it's, it's a mammoth wow. of a thing to hide behind the tank, wow. uh, which is why I didn't even put it on that list <laughs> because I forgot about it. Um, but yeah, so, so running that, that's, uh, running, uh, 24 seven in terms of carbon. So I have the two cylinders you may have seen in the, uh, in the sump, the reactor. So one of them has the life biofill and, and uh, every now and again, I'll fill up the other one with carbon again, because I'm not running ozone right now. I just put it in just as a, um, you know, clear up the water. Yeah. Um, but you know, uh, alternatively, you know, I, I was using the ozone for, you know, a half hour a day and, and that would keep things super clear and an elevated ORP. Um, Folks, just a reminder, if you want to ask Aaron any uh, specific questions about Aquaforce, go for it. Just put it in the chat, and I'll, um, we'll, we'll, uh, Aaron's looking at the chat, too, so we, could, uh, we can certainly address those questions. I know there's a few questions um, still floating around out there. Um, yeah. Go ahead. I, I, I saw a, a couple here about what's up with that mud. Uh, yeah, I saw sure that. that was... I'm like trying to like put two and two together. I'm like, what are they talking about mud? Uh, yeah. That's something so, I got to so, so... uh, – yeah, go – yeah. The, the product is Aquaforus Life Source, and, and so it is a mud that is uh, collected from uh, a remote island uh, in Fiji. Uh, basically, divers go down with buckets, fill up uh, the buckets with with the uh, the the mud um, in underwater, so it's not exposed to air, and then it gets uh, sent to to Poland um, for processing. And then, so when you get it, it is a biologically alive. Uh, media source with uh, flora and fauna. I, I've had snails and stuff in there and, uh, you know, little crabs and such and, you know, skeletons of certain things. So, but it, it, it's a live, um, you know, biologically enriched product uh, or uh, source. Uh, you know, so some of the issues that, and I'm just going to point it out because they keep being brought up is, you know, the impact that it has on impellers uh, and magnetism mm -hmm. and iron levels. So, um, Fiji is part of the ring of fire. It's in the middle of the ring of fire and the ring of fire is made of, of volcanoes. And so there is basalt and there was a, a big uh, hoopla last year about, you know, life source, you know, causing some issues. And so I spent a lot of time digging into that. And, and again, I can be completely transparent on this and looking at it, we, we found that there was some basalt in there and basalt is a, a magnetic material uh, by, by weight, it's like, you know, five to 13%. So, um, it has a magnetism charge. It will connect to a magnet. Mm. Uh, it's not damaging to a reef tank. It is natural. It's part of, you know, nature. And so, you know, it's something that is in there. Um, as I said, I, I use two, two one liter bags of it a month in my tank and I haven't, haven't had the problems on impellers and such. Um, I do dose it. I keep it in the containers in the sump versus pouring it in. Uh, I just, be, because, and I can come back to, to this in a second, but I, I run a five micron filter mesh sock. And so if I put it in the tank, it just causes a muck, a muck literally. So, um, but that's how I use it. And so when, you know, people are asking about it, oh, is it going to damage this and that? Um, you know, it, it does have, you know, 
I'll call them metallic because it's basalt and it, you know, basalt has has a, a you know a, a charge to it and so it can happen but we've not experienced that people having difficulties or damaging you know uh, aquariums because of that so nothing pops up on the icp test that might be indicative uh, you know indicating <clears throat> um of the basalt yeah you know because by by weight it's like you know between five and fourteen percent and and i don't remember the the chemical formula I, I looked it up for phil the other day actually um and you know it's by 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 weight, it's 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 a tiny amount, but you know if you've got a strong magnet, it's something that it could be drawn to. And so you know people were talking about you know run a magnet through it, you know the bag and such. You know what you're pulling out there is basalt. You know it, it's not iron. It's you know pieces of volcanic material called basalt. Gotcha. Um, question from Eduardo Meza. Can you explain a little bit about Aquaforce ABEV and the difference between them uh, and also power? Um, the power elixir. elixir yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't understand. Yeah. So, replaced. Uh, okay. I, yeah. I, I have this one of my favorite products here. Yeah. Which is the, the power elixir. And so the, uh, I'll start with that one. So the power elixir is an amino acid, um, regimen. It does not need to be refrigerated. So, uh, unlike, you know, some of the other products that, you know, you can only keep out for a day or two, you know, this, you can leave out, put it on it. It's designed for a dosing pump. Uh, it does have that same bright yellowy B complex vitamin to it. So there's some familiarity to that. Um, but, you know, it's been designed to be an enriched amino acid source uh, um, of long chain fatty acids for your reef aquarium. And so for me, I have it dosed throughout the day. Some people find it's better in their tanks if they dose it when the lights are off, you know, some morning yeah. and evening. Um, so they don't get the the nutrient spike during the day. Again, I have the opposite problem, so I want it during the day. But that's how that product is. Uh, his question about the EBEV uh, is looking at some of the specific components of that. So those were designed as um, uh, products that increase uh, either vitality or vitamins uh, of, of the aquarium. So um, that was an older product that we created. It was originally brought out as four individuals. Now we're going to be offering it as a pack system so someone can buy just the, the one pack of that and be able to put it in their fridge and get all the benefits from that. Alternatively, you know, people are now switching over to using the power elixir uh, because it's just one thing that they can put onto a dosing pump as opposed to eye dropping uh, a few uh, you know, drops per day or you know, a couple times a week. How careful do you have to be about potentially overdosing like an amino acid, amino acid product like that? Is that um, and, and, and if you do, what can potentially be some of the side effects? Yeah, I, I'd say regardless of brand, it's something that you know you never want to just dump in any 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 company's solution into your tank. You want to you know slowly and incrementally have a plan for it because you're basically changing the chemistry by adding you know in this case like an amino acid to it. That's a whole lot of food source that your system has to absorb or take out or you know use in some way. So you know um, I always tell people start with with half the recipe or the dosage and then build up from there. Um, you know. Most manufacturers are, are, are pretty uh, conservative on that, but you know you want to do what's right for your system and start conservatively and build up over time. Is that something? so? If you don't, so the so the flip side, if you don't, you're going to get algae breakouts. You're going to have you know cloudy water. You're going to have you know issues with your filtration because not the product is bad, but because you added it too fast into your system and your system wasn't able to um, you know metabolize it at, at a rate that you were putting it in. Right, right. So problematic algae could be a uh, a, a key indicator that you're perhaps uh, being a little heavy-handed with the uh, the dosing. 
Yeah, and, and, and you know, again, like, say, say like an amino acid, which is often one of those things that people have problematic algae that comes, you know, they, they'll either dose it at the wrong time or the time of the day where their tank is not absorbing, right? So your tank is most you know, active and alive when the lights are on. So if you want it to be absorbed without having a spike in your system, put it on you know, when the lights are on or earlier in your photo period so it can be absorbed throughout the day. If you're adding in at night when, you know, when your blues are, are pumping uh, and then you go and do a, a test an hour later, you're going to show an elevated level. It's just, it's natural. It's not being absorbed into the system that fast. So, um, you know, again, you know, connecting some of the dots of the things that we do, you know, helps us to keep a, a more balanced system. You know, speaking of uh, coral nutrition and amino acids, I, I, another thing I see on your list is the um, Pacific Sun phytoplankton reactor. Talk to us about phytoplankton yeah. and the reactor. Yeah, so, so that's something that uh, I'm excited to dabble around with. Um, it'll be my first time using a, a phytoplankton reactor, but going back to that feeding of the microflora and fauna in your tank, um, I'm adding bottled phytoplankton from aquaforest now, and, and I'm seeing that the corals are absorbing it, my gargonias are absorbing it. And, and this is like, you know, in a bottle form. And I thought, well, if I can add it in a live form where phytoplankton and rotifers, I'm just giving that much more small foods to small things that feed on that in a healthier, more dynamic way so that as they mature and the rest of the, the food chain eats it, everything else is better for it. So, so yeah, so this is going to be a, a fun experiment. Um, the Pacific Sun uh, is, is also from Poland, and, uh, you know, I'm excited to be trying both their phyto uh, reactor, um, my previous protein, or my previous uh, calcium reactor was from them. This is a, a one that's significantly larger that's going to go on the tank next. It's it's a I'm I'm doing a the uh, same type of experiment. I'm going to give a shout out to uh, Dong Zhou, who's been on the uh, the show uh, several times. I think the last time I had Dong on, I was grilling him about uh, you know live phyto, and and so. Yeah. Uh, you know, I grilled a lot. Uh, I asked him a lot of questions on the show, and then I went back and forth with him. Um, you know, after the show. So, uh, yeah, he um, he did me a solid. Sent me some uh, live phyto, and I I got a little uh, do-it-yourself setup going. Nice. So, nice. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I you know I, I thought about doing it in the whole milk jar container. Yep. You know, the the brewing ones. Yeah. And I'm like, it's nice, but you know, I, I need to have this on display. So you know, I, I need to up my game a little bit. So I have like, uh, that, I have like no room for anything, you know. And I mean, I've got like this, you know, very nice finished basement downstairs yeah. where I've got, you know, two display tanks in. But then I've got like my sump room, which has got all my, you know, my sumps and my equipment and all the ugly stuff, you know, the wires, and, and it's not pretty. But I literally have run out of space in that room. I, it, if I recall, you have a pool table that I think uh, can be moved. <laughs> you know how expensive <laughs> it was to move that pool table because I had to. Uh, that pool table was actually in the spot where the Peninsula tank was in. Yeah, I yeah. might have told this story before on this show, but um, I think it cost me like a thousand bucks to have like some company come in and move that pool table so I could put that Peninsula tank into the other side of the room. You know, because they got to like actually re-level the thing and the slate and all sure. that stuff, and and it might have been twelve hundred bucks. I don't know. It was crazy money. You know, I, yeah, but if you need space, you know, yeah, you, you know, have that. But, it, but yeah. to, to your but point, I, I it's, it's not going to be, uh, you know, a do it yourself thing is not going to look good in the, uh, in a nice finished uh, room. That, that's right. Yeah. You know, and because my, my tank is, you know, part of a lot of different videos, you know, I wanted to have a, you know, the equipment that looks just as nice. And so, um, you know, I'm going to have some fun with it. You know, ideally I actually want zooplankton. But uh, I don't know where I can source live zooplankton, so I have to experiment with phytoplankton first. 
um, get some chops in on that and then see if I can source some zooplankton because that to me um, is a hypothesis of a holy grail for the aquarium. So um, back to lighting. I see Reef the Sea Forever is talking about pulling the trigger on the AI blade. I saw somebody else talking about the AI blade. Um, how you know? So how close do you kind of pay attention to all the different lighting options out there? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I I like to geek out on that stuff. I I, I think they they're they're pretty cool. You know, I've seen some some uh, streams on that recently and checking out the products. Uh, I, I think they're nice. I think their form factor is beautiful. Uh, I think some of their charts and stuff look good. You know, I, I've yet to see how they how they grow coral. I'm sure they will, but you know, what's it like on an aquarium is something that I've yet to to really see. Um, but I think that they've done a good job of incorporating uh, a, a beautiful form factor. Yeah, I haven't. Um, I have to go check it out. I, I might have seen it, but I haven't. Um, I can't recall uh, what it looks like. But uh, yeah, you know, it's uh, it's interesting. There's just so many options out there for lighting these days in terms of LEDs. You know, I think um, there's a lot of folks out there like myself that and 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 you that um, you know still uh, love the uh, the halides and the performance of that and the look of the halides and but you know there's also like a high a, a, a big you know number of folks that like the hybrid lighting solutions in terms yeah. of uh, what you're doing and um, it, yeah and I, I think there's no right or wrong you know everyone has um, their own goal in mind and you know what is that what is what looks good to them for me I, I wanted a good shimmer. So, you know, a high shimmer light uh, that wasn't a disco effect was important to me. Uh, I wanted stuff that would both grow coral at a sizable rate and speed, uh, as well as be aesthetically appeasing to my family. And so, uh, you know, I, I, I had all these things that in play that went into my lighting decision. And, you know, right now, I, I, I think it, it looks a little clumsy. Uh, I know when it's not on film, I have a, a, a thing in front that blocks it so my kids don't get blinded oh, by really? all the light. Little canopy. Yeah, you know, uh, they're, they're little kids. So when they look up, I don't want them blinded. Yeah. So. Um, you know, I'm looking at some canopies and hoods and such for it, but, uh, there's some cool, you know, like it's, floating canopies that, um, look yeah, pretty smart, you know? Yes. Yeah, so, so some of those, and I, and I have, uh, um, a, I forgot which, which size it is, but, but I have a, a aluminum frame behind it that I can just mount it to, uh, as well. I think it's 60, 60 or 80, 80, whatever it is uh, I can mount it to as well to have it adjustable. So, you know, these are just things that I'm looking at, um, for the, in the, in the new house to, to be able to put it in there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, one thing we haven't talked about is like your maintenance routine. So, you know, in terms of looking at your setup and, and, and the, um, you know, the aquaforest tank and the stand and the sump. And all the equipment in there. It's a, it looks like it's a very clean, you know, setup. You talked about your OCD and all that stuff, and and um, you know, this is a compliment. It sh it shows. <laughs> it's, <laughs> Thank it's, you. It looks a hell of a lot better than 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 some of my uh, stuff. But um, you know, so in terms of ease of maintenance with that kind of um, you know, setup that you got there, how 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 are you set up to do your weekly maintenance, and, and what are kind of like the key things you do in terms of uh, maintaining that tank? Yeah. So, so the first thing that I have, and I talked about this before, is looking at the tank. So every night when I put my, my kids to bed, uh, from a basically 9 to 9.45 is my dedicated tank time. And so that's when I'm looking at the corals, and that's when I have my magnifying glass out. That's when I, I have like all of the, the, the things in to go nitty-gritty on the tank with my you know um, photo uh, like looking from the top thing and all of that jazz. And that's when I really just dedicate that, that 45 minutes to like check out the tank and really observe 
what corals are, are, are doing. Uh, the rest of the day, I'm swamped with other stuff. So that's my dedicated tank time. Uh, in terms of other testing, so that's when I also do some of my other daily tests. I test in the morning before the kids get up, and then I manually test then in the evening as well, and then use the automated systems during the day. Uh, in, in terms of other maintenance to it, so I, I have the, the couple level sensors uh, in the in my ATO and in the sump. You may have seen them in the video. So that keeps me uh, on point to when I need to top up my uh, my ATO. I, it's a 20 gallon or 23 gallon reservoir. So uh, I basically top it up about every eight days or so. Um, so, but with with the level sensor, I can monitor that. Uh, I, I clean out the the skimmer cup. Uh, basically once a week, uh, check out all the fittings and stuff. I do every day clean out uh, my 5 ml mesh um, filter sock, and uh, that's that's a labor of that love. Is, let that me is tell a you. very fine filter sock. Yeah, and, and it catches just about everything, and as a result, my skimmer doesn't have to work too hard, which is you know also kind of nice uh, from a cleanliness perspective. And going to the recirculating CO2 scrubber, um, but I do that daily, and it's a pain. Uh, I've I've yet to find a filter roller that I can find that fine of a micron. Normally, 50 is as small as they'd go. Um, so for now, that's what I. So what, what I'm happens? Using what in. happens when you go on vacation? You got your 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 tank so, sitter is doing that. Yeah. So, so I'm glad you brought it up. So when I was away for the holiday, I took it off. Yeah. And while I was away, my skimmer also died. And mm. I, I had, you know, you would think that that was terrible. I had nutrients. Oh, there you go. That's your, so, solved the problem. So my learning on that was I was keeping the tank too clean. Earlier we talked about, you know, dirty water in the ocean. I was keeping my tank too clean with a five micron that enough stuff was being caught daily that I was not keeping the tank as dirty as it could be. So now I've taken out the mesh sock. My sump, it looks a little dirty on the bottom. I don't like it. Um, my skimmer is, is now kind of working. Uh, I'm trying to get that resolved, um, but I've got nutrients. And so it's a, it's a nice learning for me that to balance out clarity and pulling out, you know, whether it be from a mesh sock or filter roller, and how much stuff are we keeping in our water and are we running our water too dirty? And I think the answer to that is we keep our tanks too clean, especially SPS. Yeah, you know, so I've got two um, Royal Exclusive Dreambox sumps and um, on, on those dream boxes, I have actually 10 nylon filter socks. And, um, when, you know, when I, when I got them, they range from, I think the first row was like 800 micron and it went all the way down to 100 micron. And... Yep. Um, you know, they they uh, they did such a great job in terms of catching anything that was coming through there, and and they were clogging up. You know, the uh, the yeah. lower micron ones were clogging up more than um, I can keep up with in terms of like you know I I usually do my maintenance once a week, so I'll um, I'll shoot the uh, and I'll take the uh, the filter socks out and shoot them with a garden hose, clean them out, and all that stuff. I you know I needed to do that more often, so finally I just said screw it. Yeah. I'm going to use all 800 micron filter socks. And, um, you know, so there's less being filtered out, but I think it also kind of like helps keep the tank a little bit more uh, nutrient rich. Yeah. Yeah. And, and some of the things that, you know, 
I think we take for granted, uh, you know, those with filter socks and rollers, you know, it's pulling out so much, which is great, right? But it, it comes at a cost. And so that to me was my, my uh, Christmas learning uh, with the tank. It was, I came back and you know, the glass had you know, a little bit of LG on it. And I was like, ooh, what's this? What happened? And, and I, you know, I had the cameras on the tank and I, you know, obviously using uh, you know, the, the Neptune Apex. So I was able to log in and check remotely. And I saw you know, there was some stuff going on. And um, you know, I came back and I had polyp extension like I hadn't seen. Mm. And so the, the corals were definitely happier having um, you know, 0.03 phosphates. Yeah. A little different. Um, water changes. How often? How uh, yes. much? So, so uh, I, I do a twenty percent water change every two weeks. Uh, just religiously, that's just the you know the way that the system goes. Uh, I do have sand in there, which is something that I hadn't done for a long time. Um, I had a lot of uh, you know movement in there previously, and so it didn't have sand. But the aquaforest sand is a, a aragonite, um, ultra white sand, and it's dense. It's a flat little disc and I, I'm able to have two of the Neptune waves in the back blowing forward, oh. um, and I have two of the the Penta or Panta Ray 42 Pros on the side uh, blowing a, a across, and I'm I'm able to keep sand in there, and it's a nice look. Um, but I do not gravel siphon. Uh, I I have sand sifting stars and crabs in there, and uh, I I decided on this to not go the sand sift uh, the the filter um, siphon cleaning method. Yeah, I, every sand bed that I've had, I've never done any real maintenance on it. I've always had, um, you know, whether it's Nassaria snails, I've got a lot of um, mm -hmm. tiger tail cucumbers in my current um, yep. display with, with sand in there, and I think they do a great job. They just keep multiplying. I don't know how they, you know, they're just kind of like big ones all of a sudden turn into like three small ones like overnight. I don't know what, what's uh, their, um, what, what do you call it? Um, I don't know what the word is. Uh, it's a, yeah. I think they're they're asexual, but yeah. but yeah, they, they 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 produce pretty quickly. And you know, I I was concerned that you know the 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 cat litter box you know thing of it, of, you know, and and we'll see when I move what it's like, and if I just put new sand or keep that in. Yeah, you might want but, to just um, replace that sand bed. That's uh, there could be some nastiness in in a sand bed for sure, an old old sand bed. And and you know, again, it, it's under a year old, so it's not that old, but it may be easier just to to put new sand in there. But um. And I've liked the look, uh, surprisingly, of, of actually having some sand in there um, and not having to gravel siphon takes, you know, it's a six foot tank. So it, it's helped as well to reduce some of the time. But um, I, I have a, a, a 40 gallon brute that I mix the water in. Uh, I have a return pump. Uh, I have an, a, an L1 on the tank as my return. And I have for my water changes uh, an, an L2. And so I'm able to just basically do a water change in 20 minutes on the tank where it pulls out, I, fl I flip the switch over with the plumbing and I fill it back up. Uh, and, you know, 20 minutes later, the tank uh, has had a, you know, a 40 gallon water change. Yeah. I, I have, I kind of like have a, a similar type of setup with my systems. I just have, um, I use my return pumps to pump water out of the sump. And then yep. I have, um, pumps that pump it back in from the, um, saltwater mixing, uh, vats that, um, that I use. So Yes, when you can kind of set it up that way and make water changes really easy, then it's uh, it's not such a big deal. You're more inclined to do it. And I think like anything in this hobby, the easier we can make it, the more inclined that uh, we're going to stay on top of it. And I think that's what happens. We are in the hobby for a while. We get lazy on it. And it's like, oh, tomorrow, next day, next day. And things slip. And so um, 
the easier we can make things, definitely the, the better it is. Uh, you know, I'm appreciative that Aquaforest has a lot of products that really do make it easy to maintain and keep some stability. Did uh, did we miss anything in the chat in terms of questions about Aquaforest uh, products? I know uh, you, you um, we talked about the mud, and um, and, and yeah, I mean. I know we talked a lot about uh, what you've been using, and it's a lot of the uh, the Aquaforest uh, products. Any anything new in the pipeline for Aquaforest that uh, you you can share with us? So I, I mentioned about the tanks is something that we're looking to explore. On that again, you know, it, it's a long timeline, and there's a lot of uh, processes in place to get certifications and stuff. Mm -hmm. But you know, we're listening to the market, and you know, people are interested in you know expanding into some other options. There's there's a need for that. So yeah, folks, that's what, folks, what do you want from Aquaforest? Put it in the chat. <laughs> yeah, put put it in the chat. Let me know. Um, you know, that's one thing. the The other thing is uh, is uh, building out the uh, building out the freshwater line, which is something that you know when you read in the description. Um, Aquaforce was started as a freshwater company. You know, really focusing on the the plants and aquatics. So uh, building that up in the U.S. from from the freshwater side, and you know, I know not a lot of reefers also keep freshwater tanks now, but by volume, you know, there's. 4x freshwater keepers to marine in the hobby. So um, really just trying to be able to make sure that we can service their needs as well. So uh, that's going to be a big push in the year in the year ahead. And, and also just you know, continuing to grow the relationship with BRS and making sure that if people are looking for products, you know, that we can deliver it. And the best way to do that, if you see some of the products that, you know, I'm using or others are using uh, and you see that it's not available, reach out to, to you know, BRS and, and ask them, hey, you know, can you bring in the CO2 scrubber? And some folks on the stream have done that. And some of the other products that, you know, unless customers are asking for it, you know, there may not be a lot of uh, interest in it or the brand may not know that there's a, uh, interest from the community. So the um, BRS is the exclusive uh, supplier of Aquaforest products in the U.S.? In the U.S., yep. yep. Okay. Um, Reefkeeper, question. Should life biofill be changed out periodically or just let it run? So uh, that, that, that's, a, that's a yes and question. So yes, it can be left in there. We do recommend changing out um, between 10 and 30% every three months just to diversify the bacteria. So what will end up happening is inside of that, a certain bacteria strain will become dominant and basically eat all the other ones over time. So by cycling out some of that, you're basically uh, recharging the uh, biological diversity uh, and helping to keep that, uh, that homeostasis of bacteria in there. Got it. Um, reef Seifer, let's see his reef tank. We've already showed your reef tank twice there, Aaron. <laughs> yeah, can show I, it again. I'll show it again. The hell, you can show it again. I'm sorry that I'm not uh, sitting in front of it. Uh, my son isn't feeling so well. I didn't want to subject you all to him screaming. So, hey, talk, talk to us about the corals in the tank, man. I see some classic stuff. I see Tyree uh, Red Dragon. I see uh, you got a nice little torch garden there you talked about before, and and um, see a uh, an orange digitata. Is that an ATL four yeah. star digi? Yeah, so you know, I, I like a lot of the classic stuff. Uh, I think there's a lot of uh, people who are chasing the newest, latest coral, and I've got some of those in there as well. Uh, you can't see because of the uh, uh, the halides on that shot, where it's a lot of the white corals behind uh, the, uh, the in there at the moment. But under the the blues, you can really see all those white stuff uh, popping. But um, you know, I, I like to have a diversity of corals. You know, I don't like just one single species. Uh, it
it is predominantly a SPS tank, but you know, you see some of the Euphilias and um, I don't know if, if you can see in the video, but I have a Fiji um, yellow leather as well in there. Yeah. And that Gargonia was actually one of my dad's first corals. Oh, cool. And so uh, you probably all wonder why is it such front and center in the tank? Uh, and it's because it's one of his original corals. And so that has huge sentimental value to me, which is why it gets uh, prime real estate. Awesome. I see you got a uh, Milk Stylo in the back there. That's, that's yeah. like a showpiece coral. <laughs> if you ask me and it's like a non you know it's a it's a very not expensive uh coral that um you could pick up and it's just it's a gorgeous coral i think yeah i, th I threw that guy in the tank and and it was you know a, a tiny two-prong little frag uh, and in 10 months that's what it's grown and you know it gets about 650 par where it is. So, um, you know, it, as you can see, it's kind of taken over that spot. So dude, I, I, you, you, you picked up some corals from me a while ago and there was a shipping yeah. snafu, right? And, and, uh, how, how many days was it, uh, like sitting there? Wasn't it like sitting yeah, in like the, was, uh, the, uh, UPS customer center right next to, uh, your, your, where you live or something. And, yeah, yeah. So, so literally, it was like 15 minutes from my house, and uh, you know, I, I wasn't able to uh, uh, to go and get it. They couldn't find it. Yeah, they couldn't it find it. It was like bizarre. It, yeah, yeah. Uh, it, it was. Um, it, they said they went to the front of it, but it was in the back, and, and yeah, it, it was. It was such a mess. But the corals, they they survived. They look great, and I don't, you can probably see them in the video there. They, uh, you know, they're they're happy as so. Um, it's a testament to you and, and how not only them, but I know you've been progressing your methods of shipping. Um, quality shipping definitely makes a difference. Yeah, I should have asked you that before the show because if the corals like crapped out, then I would have looked like pretty pretty stupid asking that question. But I'm glad they uh, they made it. Yeah, I have stepped up my uh, pretty much kind of like right after that incident. I was like, you know what? Screw it. I mean, UPS has like dropped the ball on me a few times. I need to like really up my game in terms of shipping and. I've talked about this before, but now I've started to, um, you know, I'm um, shipped the uh, bags with oxygen, activated yeah. carbon. So, um, you know, if, if there is a delay a couple of days, three days or whatnot, then uh, the likelihood is those corals should uh, make it no problem. You know, the, the sad reality is I think that that's kind of the norm these days is there's going to be delays. So um, I, I really appreciate you stepping up your game and doing that. And I, and I, I definitely and I hope those of you who are watching this will will appreciate and, and go go to your shop and buy some awesome frags as well, because uh, they, they definitely they were amazing and they continue to thrive in my tank. So a little plug. Go buy some corals. Thanks, man. Hey, thank you, uh, Gregory, for the uh, for the super chat. Really appreciate it um yeah that um that's awesome in in terms of um i hate the part about shipping calls with i'm just I'm, <laughs> yeah. i don't know why i don't yeah. know why i just read that coming under my breath but the uh, reef keeper uh says i hate that part about shipping corals worst thing ever is seeing delay or ups or fedex tracking yes i, I it, it is, and I was lucky and spoiled that uh, Phil was able to bring stuff right to me at RAP, and uh, thank you for there that. There you go. So, there you go. Uh, yeah, it, it definitely helps, um, and, you know, it, the better we can get at shipping, the, the happier the corals are be. All right, Aaron, what, what have we missed here? What uh, what have we missed that you want to talk about? Uh, anything? I, I think we, we've gone over so much. You know, I, I think that the thing is a, a lot of folks uh, are not familiar with Aquaforest as a product. You know, it's been in the U.S. for eight years, but really in the last year, we've seen it uh, with a relationship with BRS really accelerate. You know, the thing that I want folks just to take away with is uh, we've got products for whatever your experience level is, whether you're a beginner, intermediate or advanced. 
there's something for you and to you know spend some time poking around um, the aquaforest.eu uh, website, reach out to me, sever the rest of the team, you know, ask questions and we'll happily you know, help answer them for you. I'm pretty active, uh, you know, answering my questions on, on Instagram, um, you know, and, and let's, let's have a conversation and figure it out some stuff for, the, for your needs, but um, really, you know, want to make sure that we dispel some of that phobia that it's just for the advanced reefer, because you know, we hear that a lot, but, you know, we got stuff for everyone and, you know, people aren't sure what products that they should get. You know, there's some guides on the website uh, that will help depending on what your goal is. These set of products will help for you. But uh, again, any specific questions, let me know. The folks at BRS, uh, we've been some training with them um, and your, your local LFS uh, you know, around the country is going to be carrying some stuff uh, as well. So um, you got a lot of points of entry to ask some questions. All right. Last question. Ghouls is asking anything. Do you guys have anything for cyano? We do have some bacteria uh, enablers that will help to consume. Um, one of the things that I actually found is the yeah, best in quotes uh, was the life biosource uh, and the life biofill. By adding the two of them in, basically adding bacteria to the system helps to outcompete cyanobacteria. And usually, and I think we've you've talked about this before. You know, cyano is typically the result of no nutrients. Right, and so the bottoming bottoming out of that, the cyanobacteria can take off. So just adding some nutrients and biodiversity back into the tank will help to reestablish that stability. So uh, life source and life biofill um, are two of the, the simplest products that you could help to help uh, get rid of. And it. those are natural bacteria-based products. Those are not yeah. chemicals we're talking about using the exactly. Yeah. Yep. Gotcha. Okay. Cool. All right, Aaron. Listen, man. Thank you. Uh, thank you so much for taking the time. And uh, absolutely sorry about your uh, son not feeling, uh, you know, top notch and under the weather. Hopefully, it gets better real, uh, real quick. Thank you. Yeah. If you have me on again, I'll be in front of the tank. So yeah. Then, uh, then cool. You can see the All tank. right. Awesome. Yeah. All right. Well, listen, folks. That'll do it for this show. I want to uh, thank uh, Aaron again for being on the uh, live stream tonight. I also want to thank Bulk Reef Supply and Ecotech Marine for being sponsors of the live stream. And supporting the show i also want to thank all you folks out there for tuning in and um, watching and, and contributing via the chat finally a big thank you to paul who is the moderator as well as the president of the boston reefer society please join and support your local reefing clubs they are so important to this hobby i mean that um, i also want to let you folks know that all episodes of wrap on the reef bum are available as podcasts on spotify apple Podcasts, google Podcasts, stitcher and amazon um, speaking of corals there, Aaron, my next live stream is not going to be a wrap and re uh, with reef bum. It's going to be a live coral show this uh, yeah. Sunday at uh, 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, January 8th. So uh, I'm going to have some really uh, sweet SPS uh, rags up for grabs. So hope hope you folks will uh, join me for that. My next wrap with reef bum <clears throat> live stream will be next Thursday, January 12th at 7 p.m. with Hunter Hammond, the RAS guy. So that should be another great show. You uh, want to check out the full upcoming schedule of Wrapping with Reef Bum in terms of the guests? Please visit reefbum.com under the YouTube section. Until then, be safe, be well, and we'll see you next time.